I have worked with the Lord since 1985, September 7th, 9 p.m. I have walked with Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Son of God. I don't know religion. I don't know Christianity. I don't know church. I know a person called Jesus. And I'm knowing him more and more. If I say I don't know him, I'll be a liar. And I'm not. And I don't want to lie. And uh, it is the most glorious, wonderful, precious, unimaginable joy and honor to know Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, I know my friend and brother. He's a covenant brother. The Lord spoke to me in 1999. I am linking you to this man. And two of you are going to walk together. In Africa, in Asia, I traveled. The Lord said, I'm giving you that man over there. I'm giving you that man over there, that person over there. And I never tried to rush myself to them. You can ask him. I never tried to push myself towards him. But God did it in his own wonderful way. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. When I come here, the Lord told me about this man. Because God is making the network for his end time work. He's knitting up, putting things, connecting people. People that you never met before. That's how I remember my friend, the Lord spoke, spoke to me in 1992. He said to me, in 1994, an American missionary will meet you in Prague. And he will take you from there to USA in 1994, September. That's how I met Steve Kirkpatrick from Brownsville Assemblies of God. And that's how we connected. I didn't try to push my way to him. I say, God, I will not help you. You do it the way you want. So we are in an hour, a final hour, where God is networking his people. He will connect you to people that doesn't look like you. People that don't even, don't even like them naturally. You wouldn't even want them really to be your friend. But he's going to link you with them for the end time purpose. By the mercy of God, what God has used this connection to accomplish only heaven can tell it. What he has used this relationship to do, only heaven can tell it. And who knows what he's here today to do tonight. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. But no matter who you know or who is your friend or who you are connected with, the greatest connection is when you and God are knit together. There is nothing more wonderful when you and God, I don't mean anybody, I mean God. You and God is knit together in covenant. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And I say to you tonight, allow God to enlarge you. <laughs> I'll, come on, stop. Listen, life is bigger than you think. <laughs> Allow God to enlarge you. The Bible said that you might know the love of Christ. That you might be filled with all the fullness of God. God wants you to be totally, completely filled with all the fullness of God. Why would you allow nickels and dime to limit you? Why would you allow some stupid, silly habit to keep you bound? The devil fears to see, to see you in your fullness. You see, that's why Christ came. He came to take the limit out of you. <laughs> Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. That's, why, that's what we do in faith. That's what we do in worship. In worship, we take the limit out of God. You see, Satan wants to limit God and limit you. See 
men want to limit God and limit you and tell you are nothing. Just walk for your daily bread. And you are busy picking crumbs. And you are plundered. And the plundering of humanity, we can see everywhere. The devil won't even let you have a nice, good night's nice sleep. He will rob you of common sleep. He will rob you of everything. Come on, people. The hour has come when we must say, enough is enough. This robbery must come to an end. And how do we get there? By the power of the covenant. The limitation placed upon your life. The limitation placed upon our life. The moment man sinned against God, he limited himself and limited God. And Christ came to take the limit out of God and take the limit out of you. The moment you enter into covenant with the almighty God, you become limitless. Because you become now a part of God himself. Christ said, in that day you shall know that I am in you and you are in me. And the Father is in me. And what I do, you do also. He said, if you love me, keep my word. And I and the Father will love you. We will come and make our home with you. We will dwell in you. And you dwell in me, and, and, and you and I become one. You see, we're in a season and hour where everything will be redefined. God wants to redefine you. <laughs> Here is a little man, Abraham, working hard to feed his family, and God's come. Hey, Abraham, huh? let's be one. And I will make you great. And I will take the limit out of you. Ah. Today, everybody hears about Abraham. What happened? A covenant. The covenant takes away limitations. Whatever tries to limit your life, whether it is a sin and demon and sickness and poverty and fear and intimidations, the power of the covenant takes away the limit out of you. And you take the limit out of God. Can somebody say hallelujah? hallelujah. The more you limit God, oh, you are limiting yourself. The less you give yourself to God, so the same you limit yourself. The measure you allow God to take, the measure he enlarges you. That's why I would never allow anything to limit what God planned to do in me and through my life. We are in a season of wars and chaos and confusion in the world and death and destruction. And devil is rampaging the whole earth because he knows his time is so short. But God is alive and well. And God is at work on earth today. Can somebody say hallelujah? Say with me, God is at work on earth today. And he will do a quick and short walk on earth. And he will cut it short in what? Righteousness. He will do a quick and short righteous walk. The hour is coming and now is the time when every child of God will be completely Transformed. Totally transformed. We are in the last of the last season. Father, I thank you for giving this opportunity for every man here tonight to be here and to hear your word. Thank you for what you've ordained and prepared for this very evening. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you. And so I want you to really understand the root of the matter. I like to deal with the roots. I like to put the axe at the root of the trees. In chapter 4 of the book of Genesis, we see what happened. Here, men began to multiply. And men has turned their back on God. 
and hell and death and sin and Satan was rampaging the whole earth. And, and you know the story there? God was becoming more and more tired with humanity in their, in their sin. And we're going to begin there in chapter 3 of the book of Genesis. And in chapter 3, book of Genesis says, And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, the rest were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughter of men, that they were fair, they took them wives of all which they choose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man. Say with me, my spirit shall not always strive with man. That word there, strive, means to contend with, to wrestle with, to plead with. It means to try to dissuade, to redirect, to pull back, to contend with. He said, I have tried to get you out of the way you are going. And uh, my spirit has contended, tried, did all I can to stop you from going this way. You wouldn't listen to my warning, to my correction, to my pleading, to my imploration. I have tried chastisement. It doesn't even get your attention. I have tried judgment. It wouldn't get your attention. I have sent virus and sickness and disease, but you wouldn't change. I am going to stop dealing with you. My spirit will not always contend with man. Now listen very carefully. This is not religion. We are in an hour and time and day where God, the Holy Ghost, will completely leave and abandon many people. Even churches, even pastors, he will stop contending with man. He will let man go the way he want to go. And even you and I here tonight, God will not always be trying to pull you here and pull you here. And night and day, he's pleading inside. He's telling you, if you are mine, be mine. If I am God, trust me. If I am your savior, where is my glory? Where is my fear? Can you let me teach you? And when he tries and tries and tries, and we persist in our stubbornness, in our way, it's okay. Goodbye. And you can see here that Man became totally, completely given to evil. And God said, my spirit will not anymore contend with man. Chapter 12 of the book of Matthew. Matthew 12. Thank you, Holy Spirit. All right. Matthew, are you, can you hear me? All right, praise the Lord. Forget about the rain. Forget about the devil himself. He doesn't like the preaching. <laughs> okay? And it says here in Matthew, let's go down to chapter 30. We don't want to go all the way without the time there, but let's go down to a chapter, uh, a chapter 12 and verse 38 says, I mean, 20, uh, verse 30 says, He that is not with me is against me. And he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. Now say with me, he that is not with me is against me. And he that gathereth not with me scattereth. Now listen very carefully. The kingdom of heaven is suffering violence. We are in the end of the end of the end. The kingdom of God is at war with the kingdom of darkness. And the battle is raging. And it will become more and more intense. The Lord Jesus Christ is saying, this is not the time when I have to try to twist your ear to listen. If you don't, at this hour and time, 
totally and completely yield to me, I will spew you out of my mouth. And I pray you understand me. I have a burden in my heart. God sent me here at this hour and time. And I pray you understand me. Listen, I need support, financial support. But that's not why I preach. And I don't care if nobody gives me any more support. My desire is to get out the heart and the mind of God to the people of God because the time is too short. We have no more time to play church. No more time to play religion. No more time to play one leg here and one leg there. God is saying, either you serve me with your whole heart or get out of my presence. If you remember in John, I mean, right here, he said, let me continue this one a little bit here, please. So he says here, if you don't gather with me, you are scattering. And verse, um, verse 43 says, when the unclean spirits got out of a man, we walked out to dry places seeking for rest and find it none. Then he said, I will return unto my house from whence I came out. And when he is come, he found it empty, swept, and garnished. Then God he and together with himself, seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there, and the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. Which generation? This one. Why? Because he's saying there that the queen of Sheba came all from the end of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And right here, somebody more than Solomon is here. Then he talked about Jonah, three days and three nights in the belly of the well. So he's saying here, for those to whom more has been given, who rejected more, who ignored more, who has seen the word of God and the work of God and the power of God, and they still continue in their own way, their case will be worse. In fact, he was saying there that the men of Sodom will rise up and condemn this generation. We are a generation that have seen so much, known so much, enjoyed so much, and God has blessed our generation. The word of God is preached. But this generation choose to harden their hearts and worship themselves and worship the world and worship material things. And God is saying, because I have given you so much chance and opportunity and you despise them, then you are, we are in a time where the demon powers, the evil powers will come down upon this generation seven more times more dangerous. Look everywhere you go. Look at the television, the radio. Everywhere you go, there's increase in demonic possessions. There's increase in witchcraft. There's increase in Satanism. Come to Europe and see. School of witchcraft. Children have taught witchcraft in these classrooms. In the schools. They are taught how to seduce men from a little age. Listen, demonic forces and power has begun, even, even in some so-called churches today, they are nothing but demon worship. And mammon worship. So, the Christ is saying that this generation that has seen much, heard much, known so much, given great opportunity to turn to God and did not turn to God, they will see the increase, seven times more increase in demonic activities. The Bible said in this end time that men shall depart from the faith, opening their heart and mind to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. So we are in that season of increased demonic activities. When people come to church and they hear everything, every preaching, every teaching, they harden their hearts. They go back home and still watch pornography in their houses. They still go home and get drunk. They still go home and do as, and they, they, they shake God off. 
They just despise and ignore every restraining power of God. And the Bible says, you know what is holding back the man of sin? Because the mystery of iniquity is already here and now. But the restrainer, the moment the restrainer is taken out of the way, then the man of sin will be what? Revealed. Say with me, when the restrainer is taken out of the way, then... The man of sin will be revealed. Who is the restrainer? The church, the Holy Spirit. The moment the Holy Ghost departs, when he said, I will no more strive with you, I will no more contend with you, because no matter what I say or do, you have, you have set your heart and mind in doing what you want to do. I will let you go your way. I will never again deal with you. Goodbye. Ask Saul, the first king of Israel. The Lord told him, go and destroy all of Amalek. Kill all Amalek. Erase everything to the ground. He went to Amalek and spared the good and the nice. And spared the best. And killed those he doesn't like. And took King Agag back home. You can remember why Agag, in fact, the, 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 the Haman that stood up against the Jews in the time of Esther was an Agagite. If Saul had killed all the Amalekites then, Esther would not be in trouble in the palace. Because when God told Saul, go and kill all the Amalekites, he spared the best of them. And so, so Amalek remained a thorn in the flesh of the Jewish nation because King Saul would not obey and do what God told him. Today, they say we're in the churches. We repent of this, we stop this, but we keep this. That ain't so bad. What's wrong with that? You can't just, you know, this is okay, this is okay, but this one I keep. What you keep will destroy you. What you return will destroy. And listen, I, I, I face something in my spirit. This is not the time to keep something back. So he went and left Agag. He had a half-heart repentance. He wouldn't obey God completely. And God sent Prophet Samuel. Samuel said, as Samuel came, Saul ran, Oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I have gone and did what God told me to do. Prophet said, but I'm hearing the bleeding of sheep and cows. How? Oh, that was just something I took and keep to sacrifice to God. We can use God, use religion, use money and offering to think we can trick God. You can go and commit adultery and come and give your tithe. You can rob the bank and come and give offering. And think God will be bribed by your stupid nickels and dimes. People think because they are anointed, they can sing very well. God must accept them because I sing in the choir. God said, I don't even hear your singing. It is nonsense. It is a flesh. It is a carnal. I don't care about your stupid gift. Get out of my face. We, we, we think we are something. We are nothing. We humans, we are nothing. Here is COVID. COVID has come. And the whole human civilization shut down. I said to myself, who could have closed the mosque without terrorist bombing them? COVID did. COVID shut everything down. <laughs> one little, one little something came and there's no plane in the sky. There's no bar open. There's nothing open. 
Can you imagine that? Everywhere in the world shut down. I am asking God, it is time you shut down this world by the glory of your power, by the power of your spirit, where you send men and women to a city and your power becomes so great that the city shuts down. The entire city shuts down. And they say, God has moved into the city. Everything is closed. Everybody is in the church or in the crusade. I am asking God, before you come, give us one more short time of revival. And shake the nations of the world by the power of your spirit. Can you lift up your hands and say, Father, give us as your church, as your body. One more chance to make it right. One more chance to carry the power of the gospel to the ends of the earth. That your power and your glory shake our world. Bring every man, woman, boy, and girl on their knees. That they will scream and cry out, Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. And so... The Bible says the Holy the Spirit of God left Saul. First Samuel chapter 16. And the demonic spirit moved in. When Holy Ghost moves out, demons move in. You know, I have seen some people they, they, they think they all they need is to go to rehabilitation. <laughs> no, you need the deliverance. You can't get devil out of medicine or tablets. There are people that need they have demons living in them. We are trying to treat demonic situations as if it is, it is a gender problem. No, it is not a gender problem. It's a demon problem. There's some stupid demon living in that man. And you can know my daughter is doing that, my son. She has a demon. She has an evil spirit. We, we, are we are trying to, you know, use science for in everything to explain everything. It is just your mind. Sometimes it is not just your mind. There is a demon using your mind, thinking through your mind, speaking through your voice, and using your body to manifest itself. You see, that's one thing about demonic power and Satan. These demonic spirits, God stripped them of their flesh, of their bodies. Because they did not want to retain their habitation. So God stripped them of their bodies. When they begin to come, come down and marry the daughters of men, they gave birth to the giants of the olden times. And because of that, God stripped them of their bodies. So they become disembodied spirits. Say with me, disembodied spirits. And so they, they are looking for a body to get into. Their best choice is a human body. They, they are looking for, they are disembodied. That's what the Bible says. The, the, the demon goes out, then he goes through miserable time seeking for a place to stay. Sometimes if they, if they leave the human body, they, they can even get to a peak. Remember the madman of Gadara when Christ cast out the demons. The demons say, please, don't send us out of the city. Can we enter the, the pigs? Christ said, go. And they all went, about 2,000 pigs. That man had at least 2,000 demons living in him. And they entered the 2,000 pigs. 2,000 pigs ran down the slope and perished in the water. The demons are looking for a chance to enter to the human body. And listen, I don't mean to scare you, but they may be nearer than you think. <laughs> and, and so they, they, they enter in there because they, this is, that's their best place they want to stay. They, they are looking for body to dwell in. They are these embodied spirits. And they go through, when they are cast out, they go through 
different places looking for a chance. Christ said, when, when he can find no place to enter, nobody to enter, he said, let me check up the, the guy I just left and see how if I can find that place again. And, and if, if, he, if he comes and sees that person empty, unoccupied, still available, only cleaned, have just religious cleaning, religious attitude and behavior, but there's, he's empty. There's no God in him. There's no Christ in him. He's not full of God. You will see people who used to be a, a drunkard and, and gamblers and wicked men. And then they got saved. Then they got born again. And they take God so lightly. They, they take church so lightly. And sit down and, and, and criticize the pastor. And you ask yourself, when you were in the world, you drink a carton of beer every day. You curse, you lie, you cheat, you take drugs. You were full of demons then. You were full of evil then. Now you are in Christ. Don't you know you must be filled with all the fullness of God? You can't play cheap religion. You must be filled with God. If the demons come back and see you still trying to be your own God, still going after your own way, they will possess you and ruin you. You know where God brought you out of? From the pit of hell. Look at the passion you had for sin. Look how you were totally, completely lost in sin. Now you are in Christ. You ought to be lost in Christ. You ought to be the first person to come here on Sunday and the last person to leave. You ought to say, God, fill me with the Holy Ghost or you kill me. I know what is out there. Without you filling me, the demons can come back. And in the, among many Christians, demons are coming back. Because when they knew God, they did not honor him as God. They became stupid in their imagination. And their foolish heart became what? Darkened. Here are ten lepers. Christ said, go show yourself to the priest. As they went, they were all cleansed. Only one came back to fall at the feet of Jesus and worship him. Christ said, there are not ten cleansed. How come only one came? How cheaply we take God and the things of God. How, we, we, listen, we are wicked. Even those of us who are saved and born again, we are wicked most of the times. Can you see how we take the things of God so cheap? So easy. I have had people come many times in, in my ministry. They will come with their, I mean, loaded with demons. I mean, a sack of demons. Real sack. I'm serious. And God will set them free. Then I will see them again. And after three months or four, is the black man still there? Is the black man still there? I told him, I said, I will let the demons stay in you for a while. I'm sorry. The anointing on me is not for fun. It costs me so much to get that anointing upon my life every day. And I'm serious. I have seen some of them like that, and they finally were destroyed. Totally, completely destroyed. Do you listen? The greatest, the greatest wealth is the anointing. We 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 pay a price. To get something from heaven and bring it down here on earth and to set you free. You don't be set free and you go out there and play the fool again. Thinking is a fun, it's a joy. Pastor will always love me. He will always pray for me. Pastor, lay your hands on me. I say, get out of here. Not today. Go home. Get suffer for a while. So next time you will reverence and appreciate the touch of God in your life. Lift your hand with me and say, Father, I, for, I, I ask you to forgive me 
in every way. I have lightly esteemed your touch and your walk in my life. Please, Father, give me a second chance. Fill me again with your spirit, with your power, with your presence. This time I promise to take you more seriously. In Jesus' name. come to the church and God touch you. And you run out there and saw a boy, stupid man. He lost it. If you came here today and Pastor Mitch gave you $50,000 in cash. Ooh, wow. The next thing is this, how do I take it home? Because there are pickpockets along the way. How do I check? Sorry. <laughs> you put the money. You, you want to protect. Is that right? You, you want to protect that money. You can't wait till tomorrow to put the money in the bank. Mostly if you're going to the underground metro or subway in New York or in Prague. There are a lot of pickpockets who are there. You know that it's a risk. Now I got the money, but how do I preserve it? How do I keep this from it being stolen? Many of you know how to manage money. They know how to manage anointing. And anointing is more than money. Many of you know, you use you will sting anybody for a penny. You will divorce your wife for a dollar. You are a good money manager. But do you know that the true riches is the anointing? Without the anointing of God upon your life, your money will kill you. The, the, the people think, that, oh, I need, if, I, if I had more money, I would be better shut up. If money will save you, God will rain money down from heaven. God doesn't want to give you more money till you get more anointing. When anointing comes, money comes. Money is a servant to the anointing. Can somebody say hallelujah? Say me, money is a servant to the anointing. Don't pursue money. Pursue the anointing. Pursue God. Pursue his power. When I went to Czechoslovakia, I went almost with empty pocket. Our church building today, we don't own nothing. It's getting up to a million dollars in value. I didn't go with a dime. I didn't know anybody. I just have money for, the, for some few months. I didn't know anybody. I, that time I was like the only black person in the entire region. People are, people are dying for money. We are esteeming money more than the presence of God. In this, look at the rich people who doesn't know God. They are rich with demons. They are demon possessed. I don't want to be like them. I, would, I don't need it. Get out of my face. Mammon is nothing. Don't worship mammon. You must choose who to serve. God or mammon. Wise Christian men and women know what I'm talking about. They know that that money without God's anointing is a demon. God wants you to have both. But seek first the kingdom. Seek first the anointing. Can somebody say hallelujah? hallelujah. Look, you are so smart with money. You are careful. You wouldn't lose it. You, you, you will cut your chair to find the penny that fall into the chairs. And you dig the hole and bring out the cracks out there. You pick it out. <laughs> I got it. Super. Do you know how to dig up the anointing? Because without the anointing, the money you have will only serve your flesh and your ego and will destroy you. Look at the rich people of the world. Look at their filthiness. Look at, their, look at what they do with money. Years ago, a multi-millionaire in Paris went to a home of a prostitute and gave her a million dollars for the night. 
The woman took the money, stayed with him, and then killed him after. Rich with money and rich with sin, rich in filth. God wants you and I to treasure his presence in our lives more than anything on earth. What is the need of having a, a house full of money and a life full of demon spirits? And you, with all that money, you can't even sleep five minutes in the night. The anointing is the real, real riches. Christ said, if you don't handle mammon well, who will give you the true riches? What is the true riches? The true riches is the anointing. That anointing is the presence of the almighty God. Can somebody say hallelujah? And so, Bible says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. And so, in this end time, the only way we can keep the demons and evil out is by the power of the anointing. Anointed mind. The mind that is under the influence and power of the Holy Spirit. You can think in God's presence. You can think God's thoughts. You hear God. You see what God sees. You have God's mind in everything. And that's more than anything on earth. Can somebody say hallelujah? Some people would wish they can give all they have just to have a good night's sleep. Just to sleep well in the night. And so I want you to understand this. The Holy Spirit was sent here to take over. Totally completely take over. Jesus Christ allowed the Holy Ghost to totally, completely take over his life and being. I was shocked 2012, August 2nd, when the Lord appeared to me. There were three men there standing in the middle, standing before me, and the middle man was the Lord Jesus Christ. I fell on my knees and said, Lord, when are you coming back? When I asked that question, the other man standing over there, which finally I knew was the Holy Ghost, immediately entered into Jesus. And he began to speak to me. The Bible said, Christ, who through the Holy Ghost gave commandment to the what? Apostles. He can, whenever you want to give any commandment, the Holy Ghost must take, enter in him. That's why he emptied himself and was filled with all the fullness of God. So God dwelt in him. So in this hour, you and I must allow God to totally, completely dwell in us. Resist him not, for that's your life. And anoint your life. And you become a carrier of the presence of the almighty God. As you incubate your money and it grow, the same way you incubate God's presence and you grow in his presence. Can somebody say hallelujah? Jesus said, the works I do shall you do also. And even more than this will you do because I'm going to my father. What does it mean? When I go to the father and you love me, I and the father will come and what? Make our home in you. Somebody said to me, Lord God. Heavenly Father, please come and make your home in me. Now, if you are a child of God and born again already, God dwells in you. He, he's, but the issue is this. You are not truly, con- you, you, you think about that as if it's religious something. It's just a preaching. No. When you begin to be aware and really know that God dwells in you. And you have that your mind renewed. You begin to incubate his presence. And that begins to transform you from the inside out. Can somebody say hallelujah? Just like a woman that is just pregnant. When the baby comes in, it begins to affect everything about you. The way you walk, the way you talk, the way you sleep in the night. Hello, ladies, am I saying the right thing? All right. <laughs> even the, the things you, I know some women are funny, you know, but um, even normally it's supposed to change the way you even dress. 
I don't really like women dressing some funny when they are pregnant. You know, this supposed to be a better dress for when you are pregnant. But when when the life, when God comes inside, and you you know, this is not religion. Truly, 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 God lives in me. I have to reverence and respect his presence in my life. I can't just go anywhere. I can't just watch anything. I can't just drink anything. I can't just put anything into this body. For this body is the temple of Jehovah. I I can't just say anything. I can't just do anything. I had a man, some preacher years ago, he was talking, he was with me, and he said something about another preacher. I said, you know what? What you just said now, I won't say it for a million dollars. He said, I said, what you just said, I wouldn't say that for a million dollars. When you begin to reverence God in your life, your value system changes. How you use your time, how you use your money, how you use your words, the things you do, the things you say, the kind of friends you have. You must make way for the anointing. Because that is your life. That's the only thing that he holds back demonic powers from destroying your life. I hate to make wrong decisions. I hate to make wrong choices. I hate to go somewhere and be entrapped. I say, oh God, oh God, come and deliver. I don't like the deliverance. I prefer not to get to the trouble the first, in the first place. So before I take a step, I say, Lord, are you in for this? If you ain't going, I ain't going. Somebody say hallelujah. I don't want to be stuck in a project. I say, oh God, oh God, I'm doing this for you. I don't want to do something for God. I was not sent to do anything for God. I am not working for God. I am working with God. If God is not there, I don't want to be there. If somebody comes and gives me a million dollars, I say, God, is this from you? If it's not from God, I don't want it. Oh, take this property, take this. I say, God, are you? Because I don't want to drive a car where God will not be there with me. I don't want to live in a house where God said, I'll see you in church on Sunday. I won't come. Listen, people, you you are playing with insanity. Christians are playing with Satan. You are tempting the devil. And the devil will teach you a lesson. In these last days, he is gone mad because he knows he has no more time. The Bible says, give no room to what? To Satan. I beg you in the name of Jesus Christ. Give no room to Satan. Be careful, even some of you young people, be careful how you dress. Don't dress to expose your body. You are telling demons, I am available. Your body doesn't just attract men. They attract demons first. There's a way you, and then the demons attract the men. That's why you can see some funny, strange woman. You say, what is this man doing with this kind of funny woman? There are women, demons are staying on their breast, on their butt. No, I'm, don't laugh over this. Don't be stupid. Don't laugh at this. And he can, he can be on you too. I'm serious. And that is why every man that sees you looks at your breast. Because a demon is there drawing the attention. Ask the prostitutes. They know what I'm talking about. Prostitutes. And some of Christians, you play those demonic music. You play rock music. You are playing with destruction. And my hand is clean from your blood. In the times past, God, you know, in his great mercy, preserved us. But now he is saying, clean up, throw all this trash away. Rid your house of anything unclean. Don't allow your son or your daughter to commit fornication in your home. You are bringing a curse to your house. When they do that, after a while, you start having accidents and nightmare. They say, oh, pastor, pray for me. Oh, you are being stupid. 
you are, listen, stop, listen, you are opening door to Satan and God will allow them to destroy you. Don't let some friend take your car and play the fool in your car. Moment you get back to that car, a demon sits on you and begin to suck and exploit your life. What you, listen, some of the news medias are demon possessed. They are servants of hell. They are the prophets of darkness. You be better careful where you get your news from. There's a satanic agenda, a cultic agenda on earth. And God wants to warn the body of Christ from these things. If you open the door to the enemy, this, before you could do it, nothing you could do. But now it is more dangerous than before. Christ has sent me here to warn you. This is the time to be filled with all the fullness of God. And I have told you here many times, please don't put tattoo in your body. Don't put a tattoo in your I beg you, please. Tattoo is not fashion. Tattoos are demonic. Your body is the temple of the almighty God. God warned Israel, never you put any image or anything in your body. Because your body is a house of God. It is ancient Babylonian cultic thing. Don't ever you put any mark on your body. God warned the nation of Israel, don't put the mark of anybody dead or living on your body. Tattoos are from the pit of hell. It is demonic. It is not fashion. I have heard even of people who have the tattoos and demons possess them. By the way, the man doing that tattoo on your body, who is he? Many of them are satanists. They worship demons. You don't even know whether they are man or woman. You don't know what they are. They are goat or sheep. You don't know. Christians, please, stop playing. We are in the last of the last days. The battle is raging. Thank God for his mercy, his amazing grace upon our lives. Parents, protect your children. Watch over what they are watching on television. On their phone, I beg you for their own soul. Put them in Christian schools if you can. Thank God for Pastor Mitch and this church. Please, please, get your children to a Christian school. The demons are after your kids. I beg you in Jesus' name, close every avenue of demonic invasion in your life. Live in peace with your wife. Live in peace with your husband. Don't give room to any devil to come and destroy your marriage. If you have any personal problem, go and tell it to your pastor. Get advice. Get a counsel. Stop dying in secret. You are trying to keep your ego in pride and you are dying. Open your mouth and say, Pastor, I am struggling with this situation. Can you pray for me? What should I do? When he gives you advice, obey. It is for your life. Some of you are in the church, but you are dying in secret. You are living in secret sin. In masturbation. In pornography. In adultery. In fornication. You are still gambling in the night. You are still getting drunk. You are still beating your wife or your husband. You are molesting your children. Something is wrong with you. Come on, tell yourself the truth. Something is wrong. I need help. And don't try to fight it alone. The moment you exposed the secret which you have with the devil, the devil is broken. Tell the pastor, tell the leader, Look what I am going through. The moment you stop hiding that thing and tell it to the authority of the church, that demon power is broken. I challenge you today, be honest, be sincere. Life is so precious. Don't waste it. Christ is coming. Don't waste this hour and time. The time for normal American church is over. American Christianity is over. We are now in the front lines. I don't know about you, but I have been touched so much when I read about in John chapter 6. The Lord picked up the five pieces of bread and two fishes. When he blessed it, he multiplied it. Say with me, five fish, two fishes and five loaves of bread. When he blessed it and fed 5,000 men, 
not counting women and children. You know what he told the disciples? He said, pick all the crumbs. Let nothing be lost. Say with me, pick all the crumbs. Let nothing be lost. My God. To me, I said, Lord, what kind of economy is this? It was a grassy area. And all these people had to go and pick all the crumbs. All the, could you imagine a space where 5,000 men fed? It's a huge space. They, it, it took them time to pick all the pieces. And they brought 12 baskets. And then he told them, you and the broken pieces of bread to the boat and go. So they took the two baskets to the boat and they left. And he went up the mountain to pray. And the Bible says, then the sea arose. There's a wave. There's a storm. Twelve men and twelve broken pieces of bread full of baskets in the storm. Now you know, all through the Bible, whenever there's a storm on the sea and you think you're about to go down, the first thing you do is what? You take all the waves in the ship and what? Am I saying the truth? Yeah. You, you have to empty the boat because you are sinking. <coughs> Remember the time of, you know, you know um, um, what is his name? Jonah. And, and he was there in the ship, and the, and the ship was about to drown. All the seamen, they took all the goods, all the gold, all the wealth. They threw them all to the angry waves. The same with Paul when he had a shipwreck. They had to empty the ship of all the goods that he was taking to Rome. But here is these 12 men, and their boat and their life was in danger. They were about drowning, and they held on to the 12 baskets of broken pieces of bread. You ask yourself, 12 men, 12 baskets of broken pieces of bread in the midst of the storm. And they never throw the baskets of broken pieces away. Say with me, they never. They head on to the 12 baskets of broken bread. In the midst of the storm. The things you've learned. The things you've known. The things you've been taught. Your convictions. Your persuasions. The divine work in your life. The miracle you have seen. The grace you've tested and known. Is your broken pieces of testimonies. The work of God. His mercy. His compassion. His love. His dealings in your life is your sack of basket of broken testimonies. And the devil comes to send a storm in your life to see if you will throw away your entire walk with God. But the twelve men held on to the twelve baskets. They wrapped their hand around it. And held it on. And as long as they held on to that, Christ walked towards them. If you hold on to your conviction, to your faith, to your prayer, to God's word, no matter the storm, if you don't let go of all your work with God and all that God has done in your life in the times past, if you hold on to them, you can be sure that Christ will walk on the stormy water to get to you. The pressure of this time is for you to abort the God's presence that is conceived in your life. Don't abort that baby. That's your life. Hold on to it. Keep it. Say, devil, I will let go of Jesus. I am a child of God. I am a new creation. I have tasted of his mercy. I have known his goodness. I know the power of the word and the blood of Jesus Christ. I will never throw away because of pressure and trial and persecution what I have learned and known of God. If you hold on, Christ is walking. He's coming your way. No matter what happened, 
Don't give up. Don't throw those baskets of mercy, his grace, his goodness, his forgiveness, his presence in your life. You have tasted his mercy. You know God is good. He has forgiven you. He has delivered you. You know how he touched you. You know how he quickened you. You know how he forget. You know from where he brought you out. Don't let those things go. No matter whatever you lose in this life, whether it's your husband or house or money, don't let go of the basket of testimonies. Cling to it. Stay in church. Stay praying. Stay in the Bible. Stay fasting. Hold on. Christ is coming your way. Deliverance and salvation is on your way. Can somebody say hallelujah? Hallelujah. 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 Twelve men with twelve baskets. And they head onto it. They head onto it. Hold on. Don't let go. The pressure is increasing. Financial, mental, psychological, emotional. Being lonely, being desperate, your husband abandoning you with children, and you don't know which the devil said, throw away all those. Stop, throw it away. Kick God and die. Hold on. Tell somebody, hold on. Christ is coming. Hold on to his anointing. Hold on to his presence. Don't let go. Hold on. Christ is coming. Your healing is here. Your deliverance is here. Your peace is here. If you will hold on a little longer, you will see the salvation of Jehovah. Forgive your enemies. Don't become bitter and resentful. Don't become bitter with God. Don't be offended with God. All my friends are married and I'm still here. I'm still going to stop going. And then you become offended with God and church and begin to speak and behave strangely. I challenge you today. Return his presence in your life. Even when nothing makes sense. When church doesn't make sense, prayer doesn't make sense, singing doesn't make sense, nothing makes sense anymore. God is bigger than your senses. Say with, say with me, I will hold on to my basket of broken pieces. A little here, a little there. A little here, a little there. Mercy here, love here. Forgiveness here, deliverance here. Listen. I am, we are embodiment of divine mercies. I think I have more than 12 baskets alone myself, brother. So when you don't see nothing in the future, remind yourself of what God has done in the past. That's your stone of remembrance. And tonight, I'm going to pray for you that the anointing of the Holy Ghost will come upon you in power and in mighty force. The anointing to hold on. There will be an impartation. Those of you having strange God, children doing strange things with their bodies. The demons are looking for bodies to take over. And the demons are taking over the body of many people. Hollywood is full of demons. When you are watching pornography, you are watching a demonic entertainment and you are being possessed. That's why when you watch pornography, you cannot love your wife. You despise your wife. You destroy your sexual life. You are with your wife, but your mind is somewhere else. So you no more enjoy your time with your wife. Or your husband. It is demonic. It is evil. And the anointing of the Holy Ghost will lift when you are doing that. God will turn away. You become dry and empty. And you, you will fight demons for the rest of your life. And what happened? You work hard, get the money. You don't know how they went. One stupid decision and choice, you lost it. Hey, you lost it. You buy, you lose. Nothing works because demons are plundering you. Today, the anointing of his presence come upon your life and promise God that you will not play the fool with whatever he placed on you today. You will incubate it. You will baby it. You will live in it. You will think it. You will let God's presence totally, completely take over. Then those demons are cast out by the power of his presence. Can somebody say hallelujah? Hallelujah. Beloved, can we move this thing away?